Isaiah Thomas on the court can do so much more than like yeah. a, a Fred could just do it right away. Man, <laughs> man, man, fuck that. You owe me about 20 push-ups, man. I need, 20 push-ups. I need some motherfucking push-ups, man. I need, I need four, four sets of five, man. I ain't got no push-ups, huh? Yeah. We ain't got no fines. We, shit, we need some push-ups, he man. Right I'm here. out here in the rain. Look, look, he's stuck. He say four, five push-ups. <laughs> Y'all did that to me somewhere else. I tried to make me do push-ups. Oh, man. You good, man? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We had the charity event. Now, I know. So. It was one good call, brother. Yes, nah, sir. I understand. Merry Christmas. Yeah, that's my Christmas shirt. Man, you mic'd up? Get mic'd up, man. Get mic'd up, sir. Oh, shit, what's in there? Maybe you had a Merry Christmas shirt on with Mike Tyson. Merry Christmas. Christmas. That's perfect. I've already discovered we are also dealing with Two guys who have won championships in their respective sports. Oh, okay. So we're the odd man out. Man, they're going to talk bad to us. Yeah. Talk bad to us. We just talked about it. <laughs> what was the question? He uh, said, who, who has won a championship on every level? He's like, so many people, like even superstar basketball players, didn't win in high school, didn't win one in college, didn't win one, uh, one in the league, but he won one in high school, college, and the league. It's hard to win. No, no, what the point I was making is, is like we – we take winning championships for granted. But when you, when you look at like how many people have really won championships, it ain't a whole lot of them at any level, right? So whether it be high school, college, or pro, you know, it ain't out of the whole group, it's only a small group of people that have really won at any level. Even when you win multiples, at, at different levels, you win multiples like you did. The second one, the third, is still that excitement? Well, yeah. And, and even. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I played one playoff game and got hell beat out of me by Ed Reed alone. Well, imagine how Ed Reed felt. To win and to be at the highest level of winning, it, it is the most, in, for me, it was the most intoxicating feeling ever. You know, it's like when you can, when you can look out at everybody, at every team, and know that, okay, my team is better than your team, your team, and your team, no matter where we play at. Yeah. That, that's a hell of a feeling. Damn, they got a f you group chat. <laughs> 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 the, the bad boys. That's the most bad boys thing ever, right? Really? That's all it is. I'm a part of it now, too, by the way. <laughs> to this day. Yeah, let me, let me. Oh, that's hard. That's show, hard. I that's thought you was joking. That's hard. Let me show you how we get down. <laughs> Chad, you could be a part of that group chat. That's like the perfect group chat for you. Oh, I'm sure it's not PG-13. That is, you know, you can scroll, scroll up and down. That's, <laughs> that's, that's, that's the whole group chat, though. Woo! And these some names some on dogs, there. Right? <laughs> hey, some dogs, man. Hey, them boys got some dogs, man. Oh. Hold up. Limitless. Take a stomach cap, pin in it. I father here to witness it. Got my people feeling militant. Way I'm feeling, got me up. Uh, on the mission, got me up. Uh, knowing me, I got the key. Uh, only vision I can trust. Uh, trust. Uh, limitless. Take a stomach cap, pin in it. I father here to witness it. Got my people feeling militant. Way I'm feeling, got me up. Uh, on the mission, got me up. Uh, Man, well, listen, welcome to the pivot. Um, you need no introduction, but I would like to give at least a little bit. Uh, first off, my father's favorite player to ever touch a basketball. That was the first Thank thing. You. That was the first thing I ever told you when we finally met. I was starstruck, to be honest. It was one of those times, even with all the people I'd met in my life, it was like 
when you were a kid and I didn't realize that you weren't just on TV, that you were an actual human <laughs> that was able to do all the things you were doing. That, that day kind of solidified it for me. I was like, man, that's mother effing Isaiah Thomas. Thank you. you know, and so basketball Hall of Famer. Uh, now we know, I didn't even know this, champion on every level, two-time um, NBA champion, one of the greatest players to ever touch a basketball. And I know you know that, but every time a, the, the top 50 or the top 75 rolls around, I'm glad the world gets to be reminded. And even more than that, man, just been such a, a gracious human to me and OG. And I think that's the one thing that matters most whenever I get an opportunity to speak at you. So welcome to The Pivot. Got my boy Channing and his Merry Christmas. Yeah. His Merry Christmas yeah. shirt. You know, you know we love Mike. It's the holidays, you know. <laughs> Freddie T, he bought out a new pair of dunks for us today. Uh, the DraftKings, happy dad. Thank you guys so much for your sponsorship and your partnership. Also to everybody who's subscribed. We're now over 600,000 subscribers. That's extremely important to us. We don't take it for granted how much you guys support us. And uh, this is going to be a Hall of Fame almost championship episode this way. <laughs> this way. It's championship episode. <laughs> Hey, let's hey fellas, let's talk about being all uh, all Americans though. Let's talk about <laughs> over on this side of the room. <laughs> speaking, of, speaking of being an all-American, though, Isaiah, you know, you your kid from Chicago. People, west side of Chicago. I'm sorry, west side of Chicago. Yeah. And people think of Chicago, and they only think of the NBA team that is there. Not the countless Hall of Famers, not the countless great basketball players that all seem to have a level of toughness about them that's extremely different. And you make the decision to go play at Indiana yeah. with Bobby Knight. What was that decision like for you? How much did that help you grow into the man today? Well, first of all, you're giving me a little bit too much credit saying that I made the decision. <laughs> because my mother made the decision. <laughs> you know, you know how kids put their head on and say, hey, I've decided to go to, you know, X university. Yeah. My mom called a press conference and said, my son has made his decision. <laughs> so, he, was, hey. he was eating lunch. <laughs> I, I was sitting right next to her oh. like this. <laughs> she said, my son has decided that he's going to Indiana University to play for Bob Knight. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> yes, I am, mama. Yeah, yes, yeah. I am. You know, and it, it was, it's a different era back right. then. Like, yeah. you know, you kids nowadays, they, they can make their own decisions. Back then, no, you, you weren't making no decisions. And, you know, I was heavily recruited. And I was one of those kids in one of those families. We were extremely poor. We got offered a lot of money. And we wanted to take the money, my brother's name, and we, we wanted to get paid to go to college. And i never forget, you know, this, and I won't name the name of the school, this one man came in, put, you know, he said it was $50,000 in a briefcase. I opened the briefcase up, mm. it was cash. Now, we had never seen that kind of money before in our life. So it could have just been $100 in there. Right. But he said it was 50000 We don't know, right? Mm -hmm. And so we we jumping up, we, yeah, 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 it's time to get. Now, mind you, we ain't got no lights. Wow. Ain't no food in the refrigerator. Okay, we have roaches too, right? <laughs> you know, it's like, so, and all my recruiting visits had to be in the daytime because we ain't had no lights. Wow. So, so now 
everybody's happy, you know, one no high five and then, but we was giving each other five, right? Mm-hmm. And and I never forget, you know how you look at that one person and they looking like you right now, they ain't smiling, they ain't doing nothing. And that was my mom. Wow. My mom got up, went over to the briefcase, closed it, and looked at the guy and said, my son's not for sale. At that time, all we had in the refrigerator was a jug of water, and it wasn't sugar water. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> it was just, just a straight jug of water. That was it. No food, no nothing. And, you know, my brothers and everybody was mad. You know, now that I'm older, I understood what my mom was saying and what that meant. Mm-hmm. But back then, we was like, hey, I'm, we for sale. Like, yeah. you know, we need some money, mom. Ain't, ain't nothing in the refrigerator. So Coach Knight came, and when he came, he said, uh, I'm offering your son three things. Now, that's me sitting there. He said... <laughs> <laughs> he knew you weren't making a decision at this point. He's like, hey, Miss Thomas, <laughs> I'm offering your son three things, right? A, he's going to be a gentleman. B, he's going to graduate from college. And C, I'm going to teach him everything about the game of basketball that I know. Mm. And me and my brother's name, we were sitting in the room. We was like, well, this, this ain't going to work. We ain't, we ain't going to Indiana. It's nice seeing you, coach. <laughs> you know. <laughs> and that was it. My mom said, you know, you, you're going to Indiana. Is, is that why? Because just reading some stories back then. And Bobby Knights, I, I'm going to call him crazy. You correct me if I'm wrong. Because... Slapping people, punching coaches, choking out soccer or was a wrestling coach. He choked yeah, out some yeah. wrestling coach. I read a bunch of stories, but you and him had some problems. Oh yeah, yeah. Is that is, is the pushback of you not wanting to go there? Y'all personality differences. Why did you? Why did he kick you out of practice? Why did y'all? I heard y'all got into a aggressive all arguing. All of that, right? Yeah. All of that. Everything that you just said. All of that happened. Now, here's what I'm gonna say. Now that I'm older. I'm so happy and glad that Coach Knight had the courage to coach me Mm. and to have confrontation with me, right? He wasn't trying to be my friend. I didn't know the talent that I had, and I didn't know the type of person that I would grow to be. But I knew at 17, I wasn't the person that I wanted to be or the type of player I was going to be. My mom and my brothers and them, you know, they was like, okay, you got to do right. But at the same time, yeah, we had those confrontations. But all of us as players, we didn't have friend coaches. Like the coaches now, they want to be your friend. Mm -hmm. They don't want to coach you, right? And to be, to really get the best out of what you have, you know, somebody's got to pull it out of you. And there's got to be a little confrontation. Yeah. And Coach Knight, I appreciate him because he wasn't afraid to have confrontation with me. And, you know, did that make me better? Yeah. A lot of times he was wrong. And I want, <laughs> I want the type of guy you can holler and scream at. And like I said, I'm from Chicago, so it's like you get up in my face hollering and screaming. That means, okay, we, we getting ready to do something, right? Yep. And so I would just say to him, hey, look, just... Just tell me what you want me to do. All that other stuff, that ain't necessary. I'm going to do what you want me 
to do. But all the other stuff, you, you, you can't talk to me that way because now that make me feel like I got to do something back, right? Like we got a real issue. If we talking like that, yeah, yeah, this yeah. ain't practice no more. No, no, no. <laughs> if, you, if, you, if you run up on me like that, my, my reaction is, okay, we getting ready to do something. And unfortunately, I grew up liking to fight. Not saying, I'm not one of them guys who say they won all they fights because yeah. I didn't. You know, but growing up, you know, the first thing you got to do is you got to learn how to take a, excuse me when I say this, you got to learn how to take a ass whooping. No, you should say right? what you want, yeah. Yeah, you, and you, you know, you got to take some to give some, right? And then, <laughs> and, and, yeah. and, and, you know, so you don't win all the time, but then you get to liking it. So I grew up liking to fight and then I learned how to fight like really, really good. So, you know, when he would talk like that, I wasn't backing down and I wasn't afraid, and he was looking at me like, man, you act like you want to do something. <laughs> like, I do. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But then people would realize, like, like my friends would be like, man, you let him talk to you like that? Because at the end of the day, you realize, like, okay, Coach Tonight wasn't no little dude, man. He was 6'6", six, six, you know, and he would get all red when he started screaming and hollering. It was like... Okay, this is gonna be this is gonna be a long battle. We <laughs> Zeke, you, you said uh, your mom made the decision for you, yeah. and I've heard some stories. Why well, I looked up some stuff. Is it true that she was packing that heat? Oh, my mom was a straight gangster. <laughs> Absolutely, my mom carried. It, like they got these metal detectors and stuff now. My mom couldn't have got in the game. <laughs> <laughs> She, could, she couldn't be one of the clear bag moms. Oh, no, you know, you no, 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 no. She had and, the heat on in the game. And at the game, and then my, my, my aunt, she had a switchblade up in her wig. So she, and so real, real. Wait, what? Yeah, so my, <laughs> so my aunt always had a switchblade. And my mom, you know, she had a switchblade too. So, so when I was little growing up, your mom, you know, they could do tricks with them switchblades. So your mom be talking to you, and they'd be sharpening their blade, and then they start doing tricks with that, Junior. Carry your ass to school now, you know. <laughs> Did you do your homework today, son? With the blade? And they, they, they sharpen they switch blade, but but back then they could do tricks with them switch blades, man. They can. Yeah. <laughs> Boy. But you said in the wig though. We didn't we didn't have nothing, right? So I remember like the first couple of games, they would they would fry chicken, they would you know, they would bring food to the game and they would bring their drink to the game, and so they sitting in the front row and. You know, people come by, hey, can I get you some popcorn? And they going in their purse, nah, we good, you know? <laughs> they, right. And they sitting there watching the game, because we had never been to like NBA games and stuff like yeah. that. Uh. And, and by the third quarter, I'll never forget, this referee, God bless his soul, his name, Earl Strom, right? By third quarter, you know, my mom had a little drink. She drank about third quarter, it was like, she's cursing everybody out. <laughs> So Earl Strom came by me and he said, uh, Isaiah, can you uh, can you tell your mama like to, you know, kind of calm it down? I said, nah, man. <laughs> <laughs> you you got to talk to her. <laughs> this is what my mom said, and I, and I truly understand this, right? She used to always say this. She said, baby, it ain't always good when the white people got all the guns. Mm. I was like, all right. 
You gotta respect that though. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Because you know, in those in those buildings, right? You come in. That's what the security was. Yeah. The security, the the the, the cops, and all those people. And so your her her mindset was one of us got to have some heat too. My mom's from Vicksburg, Mississippi, and mm. she got ran out of Mississippi at fourteen, and she never let us go back. When her sister died, she didn't even go to the funeral. It's safe there. to say your mother's your 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 best your your best and favorite coach. Yeah, my mom and dad straight, you know. Yeah, absolutely. But my mom, you know, if I had to pick one out of the two, I I have to pick my mom. My dad used to call my mom Joe Lewis. That was his nickname for. <laughs> that was his nickname for. He was called it Joe Lewis. Was your dad sitting there with his head down too, like you. <laughs> Boy, mama talking, boy. Yeah, 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 yeah. You mentioned your mom being at the games in Detroit and the referee coming up to you saying, hey, man, get, you, get your mom to chill. When you do make that transition, and obviously you go to a place, you know, Chicago and Detroit were much alike, high African-American uh, black communities mm -hmm. and, you know, communities that, you know, back in those times were, you know, people thought that that's where the violence was. And you became really active in the community just in and reading about you. Aretha Franklin becomes someone you get close to and you ingratiate yourself into Detroit. When you got there, was becoming a man away from the court, was that something that was extremely important to you? It was, but it was scary. Um, because I, I left home at 17. When I left to go to Indiana, I was 17, not knowing that I would never go home again. Right. So when I, when I was at Indiana, played on the Pan Am team, then played on the Olympic team that got boycotted. So I was away from home the whole summer. Went to both sessions, summer school, and now I'm, I'm in the pros, right? And I had never been on my own, had never handled a checkbook or anything. So when I got to Detroit, I didn't know this, but this how gangster my mom was. She had called the mayor, Coleman Young, mm -hmm. you know, whatever conversation they had, I don't know what they said, but I know the way he welcomed me and brought me into Detroit as if to say he one of us, and then said, I spoke to your mama. <laughs> <laughs> you knew what the conversation was I like. I knew it. <laughs> and so we, we come from a, a family of uh, activism. Like activism is, you know, that's the family business. My mom worked with Fred Hampton, marched with Martin Luther King. Um, on the west side, I always say I'm from the west side of Chicago because on the west side of Chicago, you had the Black Panthers, you had the Vice Lords. You had, um, you know, Noble Drew Ali in terms of uh, Moors and Moorish teachings. Uh, and when Martin Luther King moved into Chicago, he literally moved four blocks from my house. So my mom, you know, would take us to all the marches and, you know, there was no babysitters. So, you know, we walking down the street, but that's, it's a street named after my mom in Chicago now on Holman and Jackson. Wow. And that's, you know, that's who she was. So when I got to Detroit, that's what Detroit was all about. So getting involved in activism, getting involved in, you know, standing up for who we are, uh, beating back stereotypes, and what Detroit was being portrayed as, as, you know, every stereotype that you labeled or put on black men and women 
That's what they were saying yeah. about Detroit. And so fighting and beating that back and then coming into the NBA, you know, it was, it was definitely different. And you talk about activism now in sports and, you know, the Colin Kaepernick, when that happened a couple of years back, mm -hmm. and now every league is, you know, the stop hate, they're wearing stuff, putting it on the court, WNBA, NBA, NFL. Coming from a family of activists, did you feel open to articulate that when you were playing, because I was, bro, you, I'm not yeah. call you old IT, but yeah, 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 that yeah. was back when it wasn't acceptable for athletes to speak their mind. Absolutely. And and we we and I were speaking our minds in Detroit, which made us controversial. You know, when you talk about race, class, gender, culture, that's what the Pistons was talking about, mm -hmm. right? So, um, you know, when you, when you look at the things that we were stepping on the stage talking about, like I think it was in 83 or 84, which made it, you know, real controversial. I said, I, at that time, the only people who were covering our sport were white males. There were no females. There was only one black editor at that time in the United States. Wow. Only one black editor. And Everybody who was covering the sport were white men. And I said, I, I did, I, what was my quote? I said, I do, I do not want to be judged or perceived through only the gaze of the white male. Mm -hmm. That became like, you know, crazy. And then I was vice president of the Players Association at that time. And then I became president of the Players Association. And I said to David Stern, you know, back in, during that time, I said, hey, my, my team's not gonna play until we get, you know, some, they call it diversity now. Mm -hmm. I said, until we get some black people covering our team. David Stern was like, all right, okay, okay. Now, to this day in Detroit, and if you go back and you look at the Detroit Pistons then, we were the first team that had two African-Americans on the beat, one, two females covering our team, and every beat writer became a columnist. Mm. From Terry Foster to Drew Sharp, Brian Burwell, Matt Clifton, and, and even, even when you look at the Pistons now in Detroit, I think they still have two black beat writers covering their team. Now, that became really controversial. I became controversial. And by the way, a lot of other writers didn't like me. Oh, okay, I got you. <laughs> and today it's cool to talk about diversity, but back then it wasn't. But Detroit, that's what we, that's what we represented. And, I, and I'll say this to you. We, we talk about Lambeer, right? Mm -hmm. The first time Lambeer was ever called a thug in his life. Yep. Lambeer ain't never been called a thug in his life. Is when he played he with the job. Detroit Pistons. Right. Now think about that. Mm -hmm. Right? So these labels that they were putting on us, we were fighting and pushing back against those labels. And because we were fighting and pushing back and then calling them out, we became controversial. And when Nelson Mandela got out of prison in 1990, the first city he visited was the Detroit, was Detroit, 
And the first team that he took a picture with was me, John Sally, and the Detroit Pistons. And that spoke volumes to the league because we have been pushing back on this whole black male thug, the way you talk about us narrative. And, you know, so race, class, culture, you know, that's where I come from on the West Side. Say so your mother is from Mississippi. Mm -hmm. I'm sure she experienced some racism down there back in her time, back in the day. You moved to Chicago, inner city, on the west side. I wanna ask you later, I don't know the differences of the side of Chicago, but we can talk about that in a few. The south you... side get all the food and all the money. Okay, so that's the food and the money in the west side. All right, that's, that says enough. Hey man, listen, basically these are facts. You know what I'm saying? Yes. And also another fact is that DraftKings Sportsbook, DraftKings wants to help you win, and we want to help you have some fun. So any new customer using the promo code PIVOT, any pregame money line wager bet of $5, you hit it, you get $150 in bonus bets. And they got more for you. And with the bonus bets, play the same game parlays. I wish I could have parlayed some IT overs when he was back there playing. But same game parlays, multiple bets on the same game, and you could even have a chance of winning more money. And no matter where you are, DraftKings has something for you. If you don't have the sports book in your state, don't worry. DraftKings Daily Fantasy, you still get paid. Listen, get your mobile device out, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app, and remember, any new customer using the promo code PIVOT, a pregame money line wager on any football game, you hit it, that's $150 in bonus bets. Now back to the show. And then you go to Indiana, um, and I'm sure that probably has some similarities to Mississippi, you know. Did making those transitions, did that make you more of an activist? It, it made me more of an activist, and it also gave me more knowledge, experience and all that, because there was a fight that my, that my brother and Coach Knight got into on a recruiting trip when Coach Knight came to the house. Because my brother asked Coach Knight, he said, going down to Indiana, you know, you have a, a lot of the Klan in Indiana. And, you know, if something jump off, you know, they call me Junior. They was like, who, who going to take care of Junior? And I thought this was a great answer by Coach Knight, but my brother didn't like it. <laughs> Coach Knight leaned back and he said, well, if we winning, they going to look out for him. <laughs> but that, that, that's, that's actually real life, though. That's real life. That is real life. That is real life. He says, we, if we win, then they're going to look out, right? Yeah. And my brother didn't like that answer. <laughs> so this one, I knew it was going to be real, because then my brother and him got up, and my brother was like, you know, saying what he say, right? And so, and then Coach Knight said, well, we can take this outside. Right? And he stood up, dude. Coach Knight stood up, took off his coat, started rolling up his sleeves, and the whole house was like, no, 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 we can't, we can't fight. You know, you, you know how it is in the career, right? right? You're trying to break it up, and, and then everybody's like heated, like really heated. And then you look over there again, and my mom's sitting there like this. Mm -hmm. I was like, she liked this dude. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell, man? So, so, yeah, all that gave me knowledge, and it gave me understanding. So now when you step on the stage in sport, right, and they walk into the locker room, and they put the mic in front of your face, 
and they're asking you questions and the people who are asking you questions wanting you to respond a certain way and if you don't respond the way they want you to respond, then they don't want to talk to you. you. Mm -hmm. Or back in the day, it ain't like it is now. Think about this. Back in the day, they would interview you, write down what you say, and then they would go back and the editor, again, would critique what you say and then they would put it in the newspaper, and that's what you said. Wow. And it never changed. Because it's, it's, nobody's fact-checking. Nobody's going back and saying... The editor fact-checked. Wow. And, and now I'm interviewing you now. I'm writing right. it down. Yeah. Not saying that anybody was doing anything bad, but right. there were a couple of bad ones. Right. We did have some bad ones. Recently, you, uh, there's a quote from you, and I'm going to paraphrase. There was a, a very, very popular documentary that recently came out mm -hmm. that you were called the asshole on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. then you got the, as you watched the documentary, the person that the documentary was about was actually an asshole throughout the entire documentary. Yes. And so in, in, in that, though, when you're mentioning about the perceptions of you and you say how different people didn't like you, normally, because you say winning, right? If you win, they're going to look out for you. Normally, when you do win, people do look out for you. Yeah. There are, there are things that are excused from winners and champions that people who aren't very talented or people who aren't good at things, they don't get. How much did being on a team with Chuck Daly as a coach who wasn't a pretty boy coach, who wasn't a coach that said what people wanted to say and playing with the horns and the Lambeers, you actually being tough, not only skilled, but a dude that was willing to fight. How much of that, though, goes into the way people perceived and wanted to put out a negative narrative of you? A lot of that went into it. Um, but also, you know, again, what we represented, you know, the way we came to the arena, the way we carried ourselves, and then what we stood for. Again, we, we had just changed the whole industry in terms of how the game was going to be reported and talked about just by bringing in some black males to cover our sport. And then the, the next thing we said is, oh no, we, we got to upgrade our hotels, right? We were the first team to start staying in five-star hotels. And then we were the first team to start traveling with our own private plane. Oh wow. Yeah, we, we upgraded all the standards in the league across the board. And check this out. To this day, you, you hear bad boys when you talk about the Detroit Pistons. Right? Yep. We were the first team to introduce another color that we took from football, the Oakland Raiders, mm -hmm. the silver and black. Yeah. We, <laughs> y'all know Mike Ornstein, right? Yep. <laughs> okay, so Orny was the one who kind of put the whole marketing thing together, putting us with the Oakland Raiders, the silver mm -hmm. and black, intimidate, dominate, you know. Yeah. We'd go out for shoot around and we got on Raider yeah. football jerseys, and we, and that became our third color. Yep. One no, one no third colors in the NBA. So all of this, all of this, you know, new color, third jersey, uh, shooting shirt, hotels, travel, we changed all that, right? That was controversial. We weren't supposed to be doing that. Now they give others credit. Now. 
I'm gonna say something else, because now y'all got me talking. <laughs> That's what we got you here for. They like to give the Lakers and the Celtics, you know, they changed the league. They brought That's the league what, back, is what they They brought the saying. league back. Mm -hmm. But let me, this is, this is how I remember it now. When the league took off, is when the Detroit Pistons really showed up. Now, when we showed up, we was putting 50,000 in the stands. This is all documented now. 50,000 in the stands, 60,000 in the stands, 40,000, 30,000. Then they say, well, y'all was playing in the Silverdome. Yeah, but shit, there was still 50,000 people there right. watching right. us play basketball, yeah, right. right? The highest rated games are the 80s. These are the highest rated games. Pistons against Lakers, Pistons against Celtics, Pistons against Bulls. Those are the highest rated games of the 80s. And they all have one thing in common. That's the Detroit Pistons. That's now you, crazy. Now you can, you can talk about all them other teams if you want. Those are the facts. To, to piggyback off RC's question, because it didn't seem like you was upset being called an asshole. I've been called an asshole. Well, I don't I think was it's a, a problem. No, I was upset. I was, I was highly upset. Why? Well, let me it, say is that, well, is that, it's, is that, it's not negative. It was the last dance, the last dance documentary. Oh. We obviously know everything that no, no. was said about Isaiah throughout that, and that was one of the quotes. And in the, it was quoted, and then he quote tweeted it. It said, "Read the quote in its entirety. Don't cut it up. I meant what I said." Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Now, now here, here's why I'm, I was upset of watching a documentary of a guy being an asshole to everybody, but then called me an asshole, and I ain't been nothing but nice to this dude. Now, this is real talk. Go back and document it. You can go back on the west side of Chicago. I ain't talking about Michigan Avenue where they used to kick me off for shining shoes. Mm. I couldn't shine shoes on Michigan Avenue. I couldn't shine shoes on Rush Street. They kicked me out of there. On the west side of Chicago, that's where I'm from, okay? Now, on the west side of Chicago, when Michael Jordan got to Chicago, I made it real easy for him to walk those streets on the west side of Chicago. Hmm. My family took care of him. My sister, and his brother hung out as friends. My little nephew lived with Michael Jordan. Wow. I'm gonna say this again. My little nephew lived with Michael Jordan. Now, I'm being extremely good to this dude. I'm calling his house during this period of time. So all this, you know, Isaiah was an asshole. That, no, 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 dude, I, I was looking out for you. Now, when we played, right, you ain't seen me hit Michael Jordan. As a matter of fact, you ain't seen me hit nobody. Lambeer and Mahorn would hit somebody, and what they would do? They would come hit me or say Isaiah hit. I said, no, 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 fight. That's the dude who hit you. Fight, fight him. Right. Oh, well, you told him to hit me. So then they want to fight me. Okay, well, I know how to fight. So I ain't backing down. We can do that, right? <laughs> but in Chicago, during that period of time, watching that doc, here's the thing that I was most disappointed at. I talked to you about Chuck Noll mm -hmm. and how Chuck Noll had like great respect 
you know, as coach, right? During that period of time in the 80s, these were the five GMs. Red Arback, Jerry West, Jack McCloskey, Wayne Embry, and Jerry Krause. Those were the guys, right? The way I seen them treat Jerry Krause. Now imagine you get on your bus, on y'all team bus, and the president of the team is sitting there. And you walk by the president of the team and you making jokes? And you treating him bad? And that's accepted? Now, we are athletes. Nowhere in the history of the game have I ever seen such disrespect for a president or a general manager, even if you don't like him. That ain't never happened on your watch. They ain't never happened on your watch. They ain't never. And as a matter of fact, any team you played on, if a player would have walked on and been that disrespectful to the president of the team. You know, the team number. Yeah. <laughs> that's real talk. That's real that's, talk. That's real talk. Oh, somebody going to check it. Yeah. Somebody going to check that. Hey, hey, man, you can't act like that. Now, here's the other thing that was disappointing. The man is dead. His kids, his family, people are watching that. You ain't got to do that. I can't respect that. I can't respect that. Now the fans and everybody else, oh, yeah, Jerry was this, Jerry was that. Well, in the basketball world, Jerry Krause won six championships, put together, you know, nice squad. So the bad boys, we were so bad, right? I want you to look at the Chicago Bulls championship teams that had Dennis Rodman, yep. John Sally, James Edwards, Robert Parrish. They took half our team and then took some of the Celtics team. Now, they was bad for us, but all of a sudden they good for y'all. As the girls say, come on, make it make sense. <laughs> <laughs> so the other day we were talking about we were talking about Patrick Mahomes on on air on Get Up, and one I just think it's amazing that Isaiah Thomas texts me. First off, I'm just gonna be honest. I say that in the commercial. I'm like, oh yeah, Zeke just texted me. He said this, but anyway, I'm just saying. So I was talking about that Tony Romo called Patrick Mahomes Michael Jordan, and I was saying, well, Michael Jordan never had a Joe Burrow, a guy that beat him three times like that. And, and then I get the text message, he was like, nah, Michael Jordan had me. And I was like, damn right he did. When, when you are going through that and you guys are the champion, you are the, the, the premier point guard in the league along with Magic Johnson, and the people and the, the public, the, the league, they are rooting against you. Yeah. They want that dude to yes. win. What is that like feeling like, man, I've done all this work. I've been this not only for my team, for my community, for the league as the president, and this how you treat me for him? What was dealing with that like in the locker room for the bad boys? I was great. It was great. Y'all want him to win. Y'all changed all the rules so he can win. Wait a minute now. now. These are the facts, right? 
I go down the lane, I get my ass beat. You see pictures of Michael Cooper scratching Larry Bird's jersey off, right? You see Kevin McHale slamming Kurt Rambis to the floor. You see Dr. J, you know, fine <laughs> on Bird, right? Everybody getting hit. Oh, but he can't get hit? Yeah. So we're going to change all the rules so he can dunk. Yeah. Because they marketing the dunk. It used to be how high you fly in the air, can you dunk, can you dunk? And everybody's like, oh, yeah, you can dunk. Okay, that's cool. Now you can jump all up in the air and do a 360 and everything, and, and everybody be like, yeah, that's cool, but that's Steph Curry. Go shoot that three. Go shoot that three. That's what mm -hmm. we marketing now. Mm -hmm. So the bad boys, okay, we ain't going to let you dunk. You know, just, you know, go on, take your two free throws. Oh, we can't sell that. So now, did it make us mad? Did it make me, did it make me mad? No, it, it made me want to beat you more. And even though all of that had happened, Right? Dude, if I don't mess up my wrist, this is how I feel, they don't win. Now, they may feel different, and they're supposed to feel different, but this is how I feel. Now, the other thing is, if they don't change the rules for you so you can win, yeah. it's different. It's different. Is that why y'all walked off? No, here's why, here's why we walked off, right? There was a lot of things that were going on. We down three zip. Jordan and Phil Jackson, but mainly Jordan, has a press conference the day before. They getting ready to beat us. And he called us thugs, bad for basketball, you know, all that was being talked about. But then they still went and got half my team. <laughs> all right. But... There's <laughs> a, a little something there. Yeah. There's a little something there. No, it ain't a little something. It's a lot of motherfucking <laughs> shit. There's <laughs> 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 a, a lot of something because cause it ain't... It ain't it, it just been lying. They, right. they ain't been telling the truth. And then called us undeserving champions. Hmm. Now, we didn't beat the Lakers. We didn't beat the Celtics. We didn't beat y'all several times. Ain't nobody had a harder march to the NBA Finals than the Detroit Pistons. We didn't got cheated. We didn't got beat up. We have beaten the best of the best to ever play this game. If Jordan, they saying you the best, beat your ass, mm -hmm. Magic and Kareem, Beat you, Bird and McHale, beat you. Can't nobody else say that. We the only one that can say that. Now, when you say we undeserving and then we bad for basketball and you, you throw these stereotype labels on the black community in Detroit and then put them on all teams, Now, you go back and you look at that clip. Yeah, we walked off, but the first person who was in front of us, his name was Terry Foster, who write for the Detroit News. It's a brother, and he walked off. <laughs> 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 he was mad, too. Yeah, yeah the, whole, the whole city was mad. Not because they beat us, but the way they had labeled 
keyword, the way they had labeled and used the stereotypes against us as a basketball team and then Detroit as a city. In sports, finding the right team, even with the draft, almost seems impossible. But in real life, personal and business, ZipRecruiter.com can find the perfect match for you. No matter how great the GM is, it is so difficult to find the right team. But in business, that's why we have ZipRecruiter.com. It doesn't matter if you're in New York or if you're in Nebraska, you can find the perfect person for you. And honestly, it's the best place to go. Four out of five people who post on ZipRecruiter.com, they find a match within 24 hours. When you are ready to build a winning team, let ZipRecruiter.com help you. You can try it for free today at ZipRecruiter.com slash DraftKings. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash D-R-A-F-T-K-I-N-G-S. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. You said that they pointed fingers at you when the hard fouls happened. You also said that not until Lambeer got to Detroit, they decided to label him a thug. How much of West Side Chicago that was in you, how much did you lead them or inspire the whole bad boy mentality? It, it came from us. So you were the leader. I was, oh, absolutely. I was the captain of the team. I mean, you were the one that said, look, we're going to hit these. We, you ain't Wait, ducking Hold on, hold on. No, 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 no. Wait. Keyword, right? Mm -hmm. We have to hit back. Got it. That's how the game was being played then. We didn't change the rules. They changed the rules so he can win. Got it. Right? This how the game was being played. It's all on film. You can go back and look. Robert Parrish, Bob Lanier, rest his soul, took their fist and hit Lambeer right in the, boom, and was punching him in the face, right? Lambeer never retaliated. Like, hey, they gonna get thrown out of the game. Hey, yeah, he get, they getting thrown out of the game, but all reputation, right, is suffering. We gotta, we gotta compete. Right? When we go down, when we go down the lane, that's how it is in the NBA. It is physical. All y'all play football. I'll give you this analogy. Them cute wide receivers, they was running down and outs. <laughs> yeah. They weren't running across the middle back in the day. When you ran across the middle, you knew it was hell to pay. They're gonna delete that, you. That, that, that's, that's just how this shit go. That's right. how it went. Yeah. Right? Right. Well, same in the NBA. When you came down the middle, that's how it was. The big guys were like, hey, man, you, you can't come down here. You need to stay out there and shoot your little jump shot, you know, and be pretty out there. But when you come down this middle or you come anywhere in this paint, hey, man, it's a price to pay for that. And everybody was paying that price. That's how it was. That's how it was in football. They don't do it no more in football. So the wide receivers can come across the middle, catch them little, what y'all call them, little slants? <laughs> Seam, slant, they, they doing that all day now. Yeah. So do you think you guys' reputation? Yeah, run the slant, run the slant in 1977. Nah, you couldn't do that. <laughs> yeah. Your head, your whole mouth be bust out. But now, I also wanted to ask you, um, the 88 game six, yeah. do you think you guys' reputation cost you that game? They caught a tic-tac foul on Lambert against Kareem oh, and sent him to the line. Dude, like, 
we felt in Detroit, we were straight getting cheated. Now, that, that's, that's how we felt. In boxing, what you have, you got to knock the champ out. Can't win on no decision. Yeah. yeah. If it go, if it go to 15 rounds, hey man, you didn't knock the champ out. Nah. That, that's how it was back then, right? So that foul that they called on Lambeer, we felt that we had won that game. And if you go back and you look at that series in 88, we won every statistical category, but lost the series. That's how it was. So now we come back in 89, that means we got to be better. We just got to be better. Because I, I was asking him, Chan, before you came in and before we actually got started, I, I wanted to ask him which series motivated them the most. Because I know they lost in 88, right? 89, they won it. 90, they won it. But sometimes, well, I guess this is champion talk between these two right <laughs> here. But you had a different motivation for each one, right? I've always been motivated to win the championship. It's, it's just a matter of how long is it going to take me? So I grew up fighting on the streets, right? So you got to fight. It's like, like if me and you got into it right now, you're going to beat my ass. But, but, but I just want you to know, my mentality is how long is it going to take me to win? Right? I, I ain't, I, it ain't no give up. It's like, and I may lose 10 times. But that one time I win, it may take me 10 years, it may take me five years, it may take me six years. But that's, that's how I was built. So coming into the NBA, when we had heartbreaking losses, in 87, I threw the ball away. Now in 87, they say the two best teams to ever play in the NBA, Lakers and the Celtics, 86, 87. Well, guess what? That 87 Celtics team, we had them beat. I throw the ball away. Dennis Johnson. Yes. Bird, Bird still it. Dennis Johnson led up. We got them beat. We come back, we win in 88. Now we got to play the Lakers. That, that, that was different. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, we, but we had them beat. Yeah, you. We had them beat. Right. Right? So 87, 88, we all up in the mix, mm -hmm. you know? And we lose to... What our people arguably say the greatest basketball teams ever. We got those teams beat, and then we knocked them off. Right. And then this dude sit up there and say, y'all undeserving? Y'all bad for the game? You got all the writers. We got all the crew. Little <laughs> crew. <laughs> we got all the crew in Detroit trying to stand up for Detroit. But we can fight the onslaught of the national media and what they was putting on Detroit. And talking about that, talking about um, how the game was changed for MJ, and then you brought the receivers, my sport, which I, it made me think, the sport as a business, and you're a great businessman. Yeah. The sport as a business benefited from people not getting their teeth knocked out coming across the middle. 100%. So you know what I'm saying? So as, can, can you look at it with your disdain for one side, look at it oh, as that was a great I don't have a move. disdain. I got respect. And I got honesty and truth. So don't mistake my honesty and truth for dislike or disdain, right? And don't, 
and don't classify it or categorize it as hate or jealousy. It is honesty and truth. Wow. Now, here's also the truth. What Michael Jordan did for the NBA, hey, man, we all still eating off of that. Mm -hmm. At that time, being president of the Players Association, we was getting 53% of the gross for no basketball-related income. See, we weren't good at counting. Yeah. So every dollar that came in, we got 53 cents on every dollar. And Michael Jordan was good for business. Yeah. He, was, he was great for business. And what Michael Jordan did for the NBA and our league, he took it to a level that none of us could. We appreciate him for that. We honor him for that. Still getting paid off of that. So business-wise, yeah, great move. Marketing-wise, great move. I mean, when he came in, he came in with a megaphone with Nike, and we, we ain't never seen nothing like that. Right. Yeah. I mean, the megaphone that Nike had and the, and, and the, and the, the commercials and all that stuff, that, that stuff wouldn't happen. Hey, that, that was good for us. It was good for everybody. It was good for him. That's real talk, yeah. right? That don't mean I dislike him or hate him. Those are the facts. Michael Jordan made a lot of money for this league. Now, here's the next fact. It's only two players who've ever done this. What Michael Jordan has done and now what LeBron James has done, yeah. the, the monies that these two guys have made for the NBA and what LeBron James has done and the money he's made for the NBA I don't know if they'll ever, I don't know if it'll ever be done again. Guys making 40 million a year. Yeah. This group, when it's all said and done, when they, they don't want to give them their credit now. But when LeBron James and Kevin Durant and all them walk out the door and you look back at what they just did compared to what my generation did, man, these guys have taken it to a place that none of us could ever imagine. You know, and they, they, and they ain't getting no credit for it. They ain't getting no credit for it. 15 years from now, when people look back on LeBron James, Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, and all it, hey, man. <laughs> In your time, though, like, you're speaking about these dudes. All those dudes kick it, Isaiah. You know, like, Kevin Durant says great things about LeBron James and LeBron James and... Steph Curry, like this is like the friendship league. Yeah, uh, a banana boat crew. Yeah, the banana boat. They on the yeah. banana. I'm not sitting on the banana boat with like <laughs> if us four go on a trip, we not finna be riding behind each other like this. You sit, like this is this is different. Yeah. But the one relationship you did have, which I always thought was intriguing, was with Magic. Absolutely. And when you guys sat down, it's kind of like like what we do now is a form of what happened with y'all two, yeah. right? Two the, the the fact that two black men sat across from each other and said, one, I love you, yep. but my bad. Yeah. And they did it, and y'all did it publicly. Yeah. What was that moment like for you? Because watching y'all walk out on the court, I'll be honest, I never, as a kid, I was like, these dudes kiss each other on the cheek before they toss the ball up every game. What was that like for you when you guys finally got to sit down, man, and really have that man-to-man -man conversation? I'm going to have to go back a little bit. Please to just bring you to how we got there. We were the, the first that I can remember in our generation that really displayed love and emotion mm -hmm. for our brother as males, 
right? So back then, you know, you just used to be, hey, how you doing? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good to see you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I see. All right. But at home with your family, yeah. you know, you would hug and embrace. So Magic and I as friends, I was like, I mean, I can't, I, I can't, I can't do this no more, mm -hmm. right? I'm gonna hug you and kiss you like I do with my brother when I see them. That's how we, that's how we get down. That was like so controversial back then. Well, yeah. Right? They hug and they kiss. Fast forward. In any sport today, football, baseball, basketball, you see black men. Yep. Hugging, you know, giving each other love. Back then, they, they said, you, you can't do that. Mm -hmm. So we broke that barrier. Fast forward, Magic and I ain't speaking for a long time. We get to the NBA Finals, and Magic was my mentor. I was so lucky to come into the NBA. Magic had just came off of winning the NBA Finals MVP. Mm -hmm. By the way, that game won televised, tape delayed. So all this, yeah, they, they took it off. Well, the Pistons had a lot to do with that too. I'm just saying. <laughs> all facts now. These are facts. These are facts now. These are facts. But, but I was so lucky because I got to hang out with Magic that summer, George Gervin, Dr. J, before my season started. And then Magic and I and Mark Aguirre, we became real tight. Now I'm trying to figure out how to win. What better teacher to have? Mm -hmm. And he was so gracious in giving. You know, one had nothing. Dude, when the Lakers won the championship, I was in their locker room watching them celebrate. Then I knew Mikael since high school. So when the Celtics was in the locker room, you can go back and you get it on film. I was at every NBA Finals game taking notes. How can we win? Because it was just a party for the Lakers and the Celtics and the 76ers every now and then. Them was only the three teams we were playing. Well, I got to learn. I got to go to school, right? So Magic giving me like, like straight game. I'm watching him on his heartbreak. I'm watching him dribble out the shot clock in Boston. And they call him Tragic Johnson. And then the next year he come back and he dropped a baby hook. <laughs> right. And they win it. You know, so I'm, 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 I'm getting to see all of this. I'm getting to learn, right? I watched the pass that I threw out of bounds. Bird steals it. I watched James Worthy mm -hmm. throw that same pass Gerald Henderson stole it, lay it up. But I got to see the Lakers cry. I got to see Magic lay on the floor. We in his hotel room, dude spread out on the floor, crying, hard tears. Me and Mark just sitting there, Aguirre, like, we had never seen Magic Johnson fail, right? And now he just, he just spread out on the floor. We stayed in his room to about 4.30, 4.45. They had a 5 a.m. bus because you take the first flight out. 
They went flying private. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Take the first flight out. That dude laid on the floor and cried that whole night. Wow. The whole night. Got up, washed his face, didn't even take a shower. Walked out of the room, got on the bus. They lost the series. So that next summer, so now I'm getting to see all this. So now I get to the NBA Finals. <laughs> Magic like, I used to stay at the house. <laughs> He used to send the car to get me. We used to have dinner. First game, nah, you can't come to the house. What do you mean I can't come to the house? I say you at the game. All right. So we beat him game one. Game two, after the game, we normally go out. Nah, I'm, I'm just going to go on home. <laughs> All right, okay, you know. So me and Mike Ornstein, me and Orny, like we hang, we eat and everything. Game two, we got him beat again. Go back and watch the film. We got him beat again. We up two and we get a shot clock violation. Our D was good. We can D up. My high school team was the best defensive team. My college team was the best defensive team. My pro team was the best defensive team, okay? I was kind of good at that whole defensive scheme and stuff, right. right? The shot clock run out. The referee says, oh, we made a mistake. And they put 14 seconds back on the shot clock, gave it to Magic out of bounds. Magic drives to the basket, get a three-point play. That's how they win game two. <laughs> Those are facts. Yeah. Now... We don't speak, you know, we leave. They come back to Detroit game three. Now we got games three, four, and five in Detroit. They come back to Detroit game three and, you know, my son Joshua is born. Magic don't come to the crib, don't send no acknowledgement, nothing. I'm like, what's this all about? Anyway, so now game three, we walk out on the court. When we walk out on the court, I got the hug, I got the kiss, but then I saw that look that they had gave the Celtics. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realize it until I saw it, right? right? Like, ooh, that's how Kareem looked. You know, it just, it just flashed back. I was like, oh shit, this is gonna be a hard game. I think they beat us. 99 to 87 or something like that. But that's the game that I'm coming down the lane and Magic, mm -hmm. you know, knocks yep. me out of the air. Now I jump up and I push him. Now they all know I like to fight. Now when you hear Magic describe that, Magic say, oh, he got up and swung on me. That's a big difference between swinging on somebody and pushing them. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Now I didn't swing on him. But he knocked me down. I got up and pushed him as if to say, you know what? And you can read my lips. I'm like, what the fuck that all about? Right. Well, fast forward, he's like, okay, Pat Riley had told him we can't be friends. He got to stick around. Okay, cool. We don't talk for years. For years. You know, our relationship is different. So now we finally get to sit in the chair. And now we got to be real with each other. Mm -hmm. And not knowing that being this real with each other 
what it would do for the world. Yeah. A simple act of hugging way back when, and then another act of forgiving, compassion, coming together, breaking down, crying, showing real emotion. And I was all right until he said, you know, I just, I want to apologize to you. And I broke because I knew what had, had taken place, but the fact that he was man enough to say, I'm sorry, I had to accept that. And I broke. The thing about that is, is we try to do that here. You know, we've had those, those conversations, but as, as we get older, like we got OGs too. You know, every time I hit you, I'm like, yeah, OG, or appreciate you, big bro, just whatever it is, because you did teach us so much, not only whether it was our fathers or our parents or the guys we grew up with, we got to watch you. And you showed us how to live in the sense of, I can love this man, I can still be a dog though. Mm -hmm. Right. I can we could go through things and then we could still forgive and kind of we got to watch you be a, an entire human. When you look back, though, on some of the things that you have gone through, the things that you've accomplished, what are some of those moments that you always that you mark is like, you know what? That's an Isaiah Thomas movie. That's something that people are going to talk about for me and with me even long after I'm no longer here. The, the way I've been with my teammates and my family. The, the thing you'll notice about the interviews and the people that they ask about me, they'll never ask the, my friends about me. They ask the people that I beat. That, that's the opinion that y'all have gotten over the last... You ain't got, you ain't got my, my teammates' opinions, right? So the thing that I'm most proud of is I hope that when you look back, I was able to leave my family, which is what I'm still fighting for, other than leaving them some newspaper clippings and a, and a jump shot, but a way that they can eat, right? Like, how do, how do I take my family out of poverty? I was the, I was the first one in my family to have a chance. So how do I continue to uplift and bring my family out of poverty, this second and third generation? Because I still got people back in Chicago that's suffering, suffering mm -hmm. hard. I didn't make 30 million. I didn't make 40 million. I made my little 400,000 and I thought I was rich, man. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't tell me nothing. Right. But, but how do I, that, that's what I want to leave behind. I want, I want to leave some food Right? I want to leave a, a place where you can go and get a paycheck, you know, if this guy down the street don't hire you. You can work here, right? Can't, can't work, you, you really got to work here, right? You got to put in some time, you can get a paycheck here. You can get a meal here. You know, I, I, that's, that's what I want. With all the success, man, and I brought the business stuff too, your, your damn business resume is, you know, long as, my jail resume, actually. But uh, <laughs> like all the success, the championships at all three levels, just all the great decisions you made. I'm in Florida, and I remember your FIU yeah, venture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the other coaching ventures. Yeah. Are you a good coach? Because you keep trying. It ain't much coming out on the back end, big no, dog. No, no, no. That, that, no, that's a, that's a good question. Here's what you should do. Go ask the players that I coached. 
Go talk to Ron Artest, talk to Jermaine O'Neal, talk to Reggie Miller, talk to Jamal Tinsley. Now, here's what happened to me in Indiana. I got my team rolling. I coached Michael Jordan's last All-Star game. I was the coach of that team. Mm -hmm. That means my team was kind of good. Yeah. <laughs> right? Get, get that by your record. I had some young, some young guys that I had put a little pepper in, and, and they, they, we ready to win. Now that we ready to win, you know, they tapped me on the shoulder. Actually, Larry Bird tapped me on the shoulder and said, you know, you've done a good job here. I like what you've done. And as a matter of fact, I like it so much, I'm going to give it to my friend. Mm -hmm. And his name was Rick Carlisle. And Rick Carlisle took my team and went and won 61 games with and then had the malice at the palace and all of that. Right? And I've said before, it wouldn't have been no malice at the palace if I was coaching that team because I don't think the Detroit Pistons fans would have acted that way with me. And by the way, if I was up 15 in Detroit, I wouldn't have had my starters out on the floor at that time. I just wouldn't. I, I definitely wouldn't have had our test in the game at that time because I knew my players, I knew my team. Yeah. I think Rick was still learning those guys. So I leave Indiana and then I go to New York. Now in New York, I have a, I have a bad run. My first year as a coach, I almost make the playoffs. Jamal Crawford, who I work with now at NBA TV, he had just dropped 50 on Miami, scored 16 straight jump shots. We was rolling. At Channing Fry, David Lee had a nice little crew. By the way, Channing Fry, David Lee, Trevor Reza, all them guys went on to win NBA championships with other teams. All right, these are the facts. Oh, I'm sorry, Eddie Curry won one too, the one that they say one couldn't play. Well, he won one with the Miami Heat. So I had four or five guys, young guys, that other teams and other players thought they was all right. Now, my second year coaching, I shouldn't have been coaching. I was, I was mentally mm. messed up. My mom was dead, my mom was dying. I had just come out of a terrible situation. I, I shouldn't have been coaching. I shouldn't have been coaching. Now I go down to FIU. Have you ever heard of an FIU basketball program? No. <laughs> Neither had anybody else. <laughs> yeah. you, you were the talk of the town. Isaiah Thomas is down there. Now I come down and I'm gonna make a basketball program. On my way to making a basketball program, my third year, after getting talent and after losing, now my third year, I'm ready to turn it around. I done got my players in. I done got my system right. I get fired. Rick Pitino Jr., he come and take my team. That fourth year, they win, and he bounced from FIU and go where? Where did he go? He went to Minnesota and took Tubby Smith's job. Mm. After having my squad at FIU that I have built. Now, they give you my FIU record, yeah. but they don't tell you the foundation that I laid those three years. Now, all y'all done played, and you know when you, when you take over a new, a new program, it take you about two, three years to get your stuff right, get people in, and, and now I got talent coming in. So he grabbed all my talent, win, stay there six months, and then he get a, the head job at Minnesota. 
That's what happened at FIU. And by the way, I, I graduated 26 out of 28 players. Mm. How about that? Yeah. Oh, no. Those are the facts. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, IT. I was looking at records. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> the, the, the records are... Yeah, no, you I know, see what they, you're they, they speak yeah, for yeah, themselves. But you do have you do have to build that pro, get the culture in. It's what all the, every good coach you talk about that. Their their system, their culture, their the implementation of what they do. The young talent that I've had in the NBA across this league, I would hope that one day somebody would go and ask the players that I've coached, the players that I've been with, y'all only done had two opinions about me. And they all come from the same people. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, over, over the last, over the last 20, 30, over yeah. last 20, 30 years, y'all had only heard two people's the opinions last about thing, me. The last thing I have for you is this. Uh, I went downstairs to get you. Um, obviously, I know who you are, but a lot of times when you see football players, they know the big guy, right? In basketball, you know a dude hooped because he's long as hell. When you walked in, man, you had your little, your little puffer coat on, you know, your, your cardigan, and... He walks in, he just looks like, I know he's Isaiah Thomas, but I don't think that anybody else around is going to know he's Isaiah Thomas. Dude walks by him, and I see him, I see him catch Isaiah, right? You know, he saw him too, so he tried to, you know, you know how you do? You don't want to lock eyes with, you don't want to lock eyes with the wolf, right? You don't want to lock eyes with the wolf. And the kid comes over, man, uh, you know, young white guy, and goes, you're Isaiah Thomas. And he goes, I am. It's a pleasure to meet you. And he starts to cry. The kid? The kid's crying. The young man is crying. And he's like, I watch you all the time. I watch your games all the time. And he's, and it wasn't one of those I'm faking or I'm acting. He was dead serious. He was that excited to me. And he was like, man, happy holiday. He's like, let's take a picture. And the kid was so excited when you realize what you did has that type of effect on people still today. How does that make you feel? I, I am so blessed that I have been given the gift where you literally can make somebody's day just by being nice to them. But you can also ruin that person's day if you be mean to him. Now, that kid that you just described, what if our interaction with him would have been one of, we were dismissive to him? That would have crushed him, yeah. right? So understanding that gift and that power, I go out of my way every single day that when I meet someone I am trying to make that person's day. Because remember, I was that little kid that they used to run me off of Michigan Avenue and off of Rust Street when I was trying to shine shoes. And I was that little boy who was walking around where they walk by you, but they don't want to look at you because you look bad, you ain't right. So I know that feeling of, of shame and embarrassment, right? So I don't, I don't ever want to put that on nobody. I don't never want nobody to feel that way. I got one more. And just hearing now, hearing everything you told us now, and it's funny you just said, we've only heard opinions from two people in 30 years. Why is, but why is that? You, all the stuff you did, on the court, on the court we know, look at Wikipedia. 
Two-time champion, MVP, all that, multiple All-Stars. But you don't but, know oh, he missed his uh, first free throw, his uh, rookie All-Star <laughs> what, game. What? Air what? ball. I was so scared. <laughs> I was so scared. <laughs> I was so scared. <laughs> but I see off the court, what you've heard, the stories I've heard, you were one of the first guy, first teams. You were part. You were the, the captain of the first team that ever had alternative jerseys. You changed the diversity in Detroit media in a big market. The the activism. You were thirty years ahead of people. Mm, but that's true. We don't know that story. Why don't we know that story? Why haven't I seen the documentary about your ass? You should ask that question. And don't ask me. Mm -hmm. But why have you been fed that false narrative about me? Because somebody been lying. Yes. Like I said, you, you've heard two, three opinions about me from two, three people for the last 30 years. I know more about some two-way players than I know about you. Well, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I, you, you, honestly, you know, we've been talking about getting this done. This was the first time I've sat here in a long time, and I felt like I was watching somebody else's show. Listening to you tell those stories, man, and just the, the historical value of them, but also how new that felt to me. There were things you told us today, and we all do it, man. Like he talk about Googling, and that's, that's all we do before we get into the interview, because we don't ever want to get an interview and not have a question or have it be stale. And you taught us so much in this very short time about who you were. We didn't really talk about basketball, and it shows how much more a Hall of Fame basketball player, one of the greatest to ever live, how much more he accomplished as a man, as someone who was willing to give of himself to people he could remember being. And I think so many times we forget that. So thank you so much. This has been uh, amazing. And I would love a part two if you ever got time for hey, it. Hey man, let me tell you something. I, I am a, I'm a fan of, of all of y'all and I, I love football and I, that's my favorite sport to watch, but seeing y'all on the scene and seeing how y'all career has taken off and what y'all have done with this show, you know, it's, it's just beautiful to watch. Not only is it beautiful to watch, but I've always said this, you know, I think the hardest sport to win in is football. And the reason why I say that is because y'all used to have 52 people. What, it's 45 It's 53, it's 47, you dress out, yeah. Hey man, the, the amount of material that y'all take in on a weekly basis, from an educational standpoint, I'm just blown away. And then shit happens so fast, it's like boom, 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 boom. <laughs> <laughs> That's like playing the Pistons, though. Hey, that's like playing. The, that's what Mike felt like. Hey, that's what Mike felt like, though. Mike said, that's what Mike said. Mike said he was trying to get out of there. We'll say the same about y'all sport. The same thing for you. Man, hey, Hold up, limitless. Take a stem and cap in it. I thought they here to witness it. Got my people feeling militant. Way I'm feeling, got me up. On the mission, got me up. Knowing me, I got the key. Only vision I can trust. Trust. Limitless. Take a stem and cap in it. I thought they here to witness it. Got my people feeling militant. Way I'm feeling, got me up. On the mission, got me up.